0: So, this is the fourth week in our You Are Here teaching series, where we are looking at the different aspects of our lives and trying to reflect on where each of us are right now in these areas and asking ourselves and also God how we can grow in these different areas of our lives. And so, we've already looked at work, we looked at health last week, and today we're going to focus on love and relationships. So I suspected last week when we announced that um, this week's message would be about love and relationships that it would be assumed by some that maybe we were discussing romantic relationships, um, which was confirmed for me. Uh, when I got a text from Butch that said he wanted to play Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye as I, an intro to my message. Um, Kim discouraged him from doing that, but uh, maybe you were hoping that this week the message was all about how you can find the one. Um, it's not. Or maybe uh, you are kind of like, Wendy, can we avoid talking about this? And, you know, like my, my mom brings it up all the time. Do we really have to talk about this so much? Um It doesn't surprise me that even in church, where love really should be a topic that we talk about every week, we still kind of assume that when we're going to talk about love, it's about romance. Um, In our Emotionally Healthy Skills class that we offer every fall, we always um, have one session that we encourage people to kind of share and think about, answer the question, what did success look like in your family? And so there's a variety of answers to that question. If you kind of think about that for yourself, what did success look like in your family? Um, For many, it meant you got good grades. Um, Maybe you got into a big, good college, Uh, maybe a good uh, job. That's what success looks like. Or um, in some areas of the country, it means that you're a homeowner. Um, Not really for us in New York City, but, um, and then for many, it means that you are married. And so we kind of talked a little bit about that kind of unhealthy view of success being linked to marriage somehow, and honestly, that has creeped into the church as well. This idea that um, success looks like marriage when even you're um, a follower of Jesus, which isn't really what we see in scripture at all. Um, they, there is as much emphasis on being single and the value of singleness as there is in marriage in the Bible. And it just makes me wonder if Jesus got sick of it too. If Jesus was like, enough already. Because we see with Jesus' life that he led a life that was completely led by love without being married. And he still knew what it meant to love and to be loved in return. And so today, that is what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on love and relationships, but my hope is that after today, we can kind of broaden our view of what love and relationships really means for us, Um, and that all of us have relationships that we can grow and focus on. So this week, I was thinking about my very first friendship. Friendship. Um, I don't know if you can think about who was your very first friend. So my very first friend, I don't remember becoming friends with her because she uh, was born three days after me. We were brought up in the same church. Our, f- our parents were friends. So I just remember always being with her. Like we were together all the time. I enjoyed playing with her. Um, so I don't remember becoming her friend, but I remember at a very young age wanting to stay her friend. Because I just admired her so much. She was, like, fun and funny. She had the best clothes. She had the best toys. You know, I loved going to her house. She had a pool in the backyard. She um, was talented. She was beautiful. I mean, she never went through that awkward stage growing up. And this is the 80s. Like, she never went through an awkward stage. She still looks great on Facebook. You know, it's just... I just um, admired her so much that I was always afraid of losing her friendship. And I had this desire, I remember, I had this desire that I wanted her to want to be my friend. Like it wasn't I didn't want her to just like I was good enough to hang out with because I was there. I wanted her to want to be my friend like I wanted to be her friend. And um, I can remember worrying about it at a really young age, like maybe my clothes weren't good enough for her. Maybe she wouldn't be my friend because there was something in me that um, I got some ident- of my own identity just from the fact that she wanted to be my friend. I don't know if you've ever had a relationship like that before. But I thought about um, my relationship with Nicole this week when I thought about the fact that God, the creator of the world, God Almighty, God of power and justice, still offers us love and friendship. Just consider that for a moment. The idea of being God's friend. Friend. This week I looked at um, an example, re looked at an example of God's friendship with one man in particular, and that was Abraham. So we see God's relationship in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. It says that He walked with them um, in the cool of the evening, you know, very much like a relationship, a friendship, but. Abraham, there's a, re, a really unique relationship that God has with Abraham. Abraham's story is found in Genesis, and it's it's um, one of these relationships where God shares with um, Abraham his feelings. He confides in him. He um, he promises to stay in relationship they ha- make promises to one another of the relationships they're going to have with each other and even uh, God promises not only Abraham but all of Abraham's descendants because of this special relationship that Abraham has with God but Abraham is not a perfect guy you know he makes mistakes some pretty big mistakes as, as far as a uh, husband goes. He's not on the top of my list of um, guys to look up to. Um, and yet God still has this relationship with him, uh, this close relationship with Abraham. And Abraham is changed by that relationship. He, has, he takes on this new role and purpose in his life. But what's interesting is there are three places in Scripture that refers to Abraham as God's friend, um, the first is in Second Chronicles, where um, this is generations later. The Jewish people are all descendants of Abraham, and so the king of Judah at the time is in distress, and he calls out to God, and he wants God to remember that they are descendants of Abraham, and he refers to Abraham as God's friend. Remember, we're descendants of Abraham, your friend. And it just made me think of like sometimes when I want Larry to do something for the girls, I'm like, your daughter once. you know it's just like this reminder like, remember, Abraham was your friend, this whole nother level. And what's interesting, then in Isaiah, it's God who reminds the Jewish people. Remember, you are descendants of Abraham, my friend. And that was such a um, interesting relationship unique. Um, to Abraham that even later in the New Testament, we see James, who is Jesus's brother, that he also in his letter, which is known as the book of James, he refers to Abraham as God's friend. So this idea of being God's friend, when we look at that, um, it, it reminds us that uh, Abraham um, had this unique relationship, this unique friendship, even though he was not perfect. And then we see um, another example of what it would be like to be a friend of God when we look at Jesus' life and how he came to earth, God with us, Emmanuel, and he comes and lives a human life. And in his ministry, he chooses to live in such a way that he is criticized for who he is friends with. He is known to be a friend of sinners. And that wasn't a compliment. Uh, that he w- got from people, that he was friends with very imperfect people. So mu- they were so imperfect that the religious leaders at the time um, wouldn't spend any time with them at all. And yet that is who Jesus chose to spend his time with. He ate with them. He went to their homes. He hung out with them. We get this impression he liked them. He enjoyed them. Um, it was shocking at the time. And one man in particular that he chose to be friends with is a man named Matthew. Now, Matthew might seem like a familiar name to you. Um, it happens to be the name of the first book of the New Testament because this is the same Matthew that wrote the book of Matthew. And he is able to write this story of Jesus' life that we find in the Gospel of, of Matthew because he, uh, because he follows Jesus from the almost the beginning of Jesus's ministry through three years, he's he's with Jesus. He sees everything that Jesus experiences. He hears him his teaching. He lives life with him, and we see that Matthew is even there with Jesus at the the um, resurrection after the resurrection that Jesus gathers his closest um, followers and friends together and acts. And Matthew is at that table when he shares what it, he wants them to do when he leaves and goes to heaven, and that he's he was calling them to start the church. And so that is Matthew. But Matthew is uh, not a logical choice for Jesus to pick as a follower for him, a leader in his um, ministry, because Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors were Jews who collected taxes for the Roman government Um from their fellow Jews and because of their position of power what many of them were known to do was not only to collect the taxes that were due but to also um, through intimidation collect more and pocket it themselves and so you you've got these guys who are working for the political oppressors of their people and then they're known to use practices that are pretty much consistent with today what we um, would call organized crime, right? And so they were pretty much hated by, by the Jewish people, and rightfully so. And yet Jesus chooses Matthew to follow him and to be his friend. So we're just going to look at um, when Matthew records meeting Jesus for the first time in Matthew chapter 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the religious Jewish leaders at that time that kind of um, confronted Jesus. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples his followers, why does your teacher eat with task collectors and sinners? So this is one of the reasons that Jesus didn't fit the re- religious leaders' expectations. In fact, he um, caused them Offense. That's why in Matthew chapter 11, uh, Matthew writes what was kind of known um, about Jesus, what people said about Jesus. It's interesting. This is what was said about Jesus He is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. By just being their friend, Jesus is making a dramatic statement that causes offense to some, The statement that each person is worthy of love, that each person has dignity, even though they are imperfect, that they don't keep the law perfectly. He's making a very um, clear statement. And it's important for us to realize that Jesus is very strategic in what he's doing. He is choosing who he's going to be in relationship because he's making a statement through that. And so... Um, it's important for us to remember that, but also it's interesting that Jesus also, um, the relationship that he chooses to have with his followers. So in just in that passage, it refers to his followers as disciples, and um, the word disciples just means learners, and then it refers to Jesus as teacher, which would have been a very common practice at the time. A religious leader um, would have been a considered a teacher and could invite people to follow him follow me and be my disciple be my learner and follow me and learn from me and so that's what Jesus does. But it's unique, the power structure that Jesus invites people into. Because it was very, at this time, it would have been very understood that the power structure that was involved was a teacher who had the power. And he invited people, you are my servants, you are kind of underneath me, and it, that's how it worked. But Jesus didn't work that way with his followers. He invited them into relationship, into friendship, into friendship. He, he's living with them. He's um, loving them. In fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus says this He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. You know me so much. He says, Instead, I have called you friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus is very strategic in what he is doing here. It's not just he's a nice guy and so he's just friends with everybody. It's deeper than that. He is making a statement that he is friends with people that others won't be friends with and that he is in relationship with people below him in a way that makes them friends, and that's important for us to see. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. That is what we talk about. That is what Jesus talked about, that he was here to bring the kingdom of God to earth, and it's what we call um, the good news, right? We call it the gospel, and when you look at the word that's translated, the Greek word that's translated as good news and um, the gospel that we talk about so much, what's interesting is that Greek word at the time, was always used in a political context. It was used when governments were overthrown, when rulers were overthrown. This idea that um, a kingdom was um, taking, oppressing people and they needed change, that they would call for this good news to happen, this gospel, and that is the imagery that Jesus is bringing when he is talking about this, that he is bringing a kingdom that is going to overthrow other kingdoms. And that's how he did it was not with power or force or politics. Instead, he did it through relationships, through friendships. And he's calling us into that revolution too. And it's just as challenging for us today as it was for him in the first century. He's inviting us into that kingdom of God. How can we be a part of that? That spreading the good news? Well, it involves. Restoring relationships to the center of our lives. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, to put relationships at the center of our lives and to the calling of us as followers of Jesus. So the good news isn't just information. It isn't this information that we give to another person or that we receive ourselves and we know the good news. No, it's how the good news is about how we live in the kingdom together in relationships. So last week, I was teaching the elementary school kids um, in their class d- during the church um, time. And the story of the day was all about how Jesus called his 12 apostles to him. And the great stories, we went through all the different names. Um, we used like, little s- these little like blocks to symbolize all the 12 different people and um, talked about their different names. And as I was telling the story to the kids, it occurred to me that... Um, God wasn't just calling, that Jesus wasn't just calling these men to be friends with him, to follow him, but he's also calling them to be friends with one another. And when you look at those people, they don't make sense. They wouldn't naturally be friends with one another. And, um, It's interesting when you look at, you know, there's fishermen, there's Jewish fishermen, there are working class people, and then you've got Matthew, the tax collector, who was um, part of these men who were taking advantage of those same people. They would have hated each other. They wouldn't have, you know, the tax collector probably didn't feel, Matthew didn't feel safe with the other people who hated him. But then you have this other guy named Simon the Zealot. And a a zealot is a political party at that time, a Jewish political party, and they hated the Roman uh, occupiers. And they were always fighting against the taxation from the Roman government. So obviously in conflict um, with Matthew. But beyond that, the zealots also taught, they were a Jewish group, so they, they were similar to the Pharisees. The Pharisees who fought against Jesus and how he taught um, about the law and the place of the law. They it went up against everything they believed, and the zealots were closer to that. And so here you've got these people that uh, don't fit together. They should not be hanging out together, and they certainly should not be friends. And yet that's what we see. They live together. They serve together. They go through life challenges together, um, and they they lose Jesus together. They become deep friends, not the type of friends that are just acquaintances, not the friends that are, you know, I'm Facebook friends with them. This is a deep kind of friendship, a, a whole nother level, and Jesus describes that type of friendship when he's talking in that passage in John 15 when he talks about being friends. You aren't my servants. You are my friends. He also says this. He says, my command is is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, and this is my command, to love each other. This type of relationship, this type of friendship is just so rare in today's world. These friendships that are sacrificial, that cross over class and race and religious and political beliefs, these are relationships that take time and patience and a commitment to one another, vulnerability with one another. And what's important for us to understand is that being in these type of relationships, being friends, to this level, to love each other the way Jesus is calling his followers to love each other. It isn't an optional part of being a follower of Jesus. I think sometimes we want to think that following Jesus is all about Jesus, right? It's just about your relationship with Jesus, and I can do that however I want, kind of, you know, like, I can do it, you know, by praying to Jesus. It's all about my relationship with Jesus, right? And the other stuff, you know, if, if there are friends that I like, that, that's a bonus. But that isn't what Jesus talked about. He said that this is um, how we are part of the kingdom of God, is how we share relationships with one another. And um, even though it's pretty inconvenient, It can be very difficult to have these type of relationships. It is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. The type of friendships that over the years tell one another over and over again, you are worthy of my love. You are worthy of Jesus' love. You are an image bearer of God. By being in relationship, loving relationships with one another, So if you've been around Everyday Church very long, you know that we talk a lot about relationships here. That um, we want the answer to be, if people ask you, what is your church, what is Everyday Church all about? The answer has always been, we are about pursuing life-changing relationships with Jesus and the family of God. We believe that we are changed to be more like Jesus, not just by being in relationship with Jesus, by being, but by being in relationship with one another. And what's interesting is there's this tendency for Christians to um, think like, um, that person needs change by being in relationship with me, right? Like you're giving them a gift. Um, but that isn't how friendship works. And I think we know that. True friendship acknowledges that we both need each other, that we both need to be changed by the relationship. And um, because I am a pastor, and I, I happen to be a pastor that moved from a different area, from Ohio originally, and moved here to the city to um, minister and to be live in relationship with people in this community, um, to ma- build relationships with my neighbors and my kids' friends and their teachers and people inside this church, I... Um, that I get asked the question a lot, usually by other Christians, um, tell me a story about somebody whose life has been changed by the relationships that they've made at everyday church, by their relationship with Jesus. And uh, I can think of a lot of stories like that. Uh, and, um, And I really want to have more and more stories like that about everyday church, that people's lives are changed because of their re- growing relationship with Jesus and the family of God. But um, whenever I get asked that question, I, I kind of feel uncomfortable because what comes to mind first is how much I've been changed and how much my family has been changed. by. Um, we are different people because of the relationships we've had at everyday church and this community. We have been changed. And so... Um, Sometimes I just want to give a glimpse of that to the people that I'm sharing. Like, you have no idea how much I have been changed, how much I have been blessed by being willing to um, build relationships that aren't easy, that are hard. Um, but I, my hope is that I'm more like Jesus because of it. And as I look around this room, I can't really look make too much <laughs> eye contact, but... Um, I just, I, th- I think it's a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about when he says to love one another. So this week I, I read a book called Friends in the Margins, um, and it was written by two, um, two authors who both are a part of this organization, this miss- missions organization, a Christian organization. Um, so <laughs> the name of the organization is called Word Became Flesh. So, That means that's talking about Jesus, word became flesh. It's a unique decision to name um, the organization that because flesh is not something we use very much. But I I know what they're talking about. Word became flesh. They're talking about Jesus um, became human and was in relationship. And so what this organization does is they choose to send uh, Christians to communities all over the world and their goal is that you live in the same community of some of the most poor and oppressed people in the world. And you live there long term. You live long term right alongside the, um, the people who are dealing with terrible poverty and um, oppression. And your goal is to just build relationships with those people. Long term relationships. You are friends with them. You eat in their homes. You share life with them. And so um, the book was all about the, the trials of that and the how hard that is, but also the blessings that um, are found when you're willing to do that. And because the organization, they focus so much on friendships and relationships, um, what they do is that everybody is required to have a friendship mentor, And what that means is you meet periodically throughout the year with your friendship mentor, and that person asks you the same four questions every time um, to see how you are doing in these relationships, because that is the center of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And so this morning, we're going to also have a time of reflection like we've done the last three um, weeks. And what we're going to do is have a time to just um, reflect on those same four questions ourselves. And so um, Larry's going to pass out those sheets. um, They're in English and Spanish. I'm just going to give you five, ten minutes to reflect on those questions. Be very honest with yourself. It doesn't help to give yourself a better grade than maybe um, you're actually feeling inside. Nobody's going to look at this. Nobody's giving you a grade. This is just for your benefit. But I also want to g- encourage you um, to use these four questions, not just today, but check in with one another. Because this is who we are as everyday church. We're about relationships. So use these, relation- these questions to help one another, to challenge us, to s- check in and say, how are we doing in our relationships? So I'm going to um, give you some time to just uh, reflect on these questions, and then we'll close. All right, guys, I'm hoping that it, that is a start to uh, your time of kind of reflecting on where your relationships are, the growth that um, maybe you can make in those relationships, those friendships. I know I, um, as I was coming here, I was kind of thinking about the questions just myself and thought, yeah, it's been a while since I've asked myself those questions and it was important for me. So this idea of being a friend of God, being a friend of Jesus, is such an amazing gift that we're offered, that God would look at each of us and say to each of us, you are worthy of my love. And I think that deep down inside, that is what each of us needs to know. We need to know that we are loved by Jesus, that we are beloved by God. And what if we learn that? over and over again by sharing life together as friends. So as we close this morning, I just want to read a poem that I read this week. Um, It's written by a woman named Sarah Dobrins. She is um, a woman who's a part of the organization um, Word Became Flesh, and she actually lives and shares friendship in a poor community in Peru. And so she wrote this poem to kind of describe what, the friendship that Jesus uh, modeled and called us to, what it does for each of us. And I just love the visuals that it describes. And so I'm going to read that poem for you. She says, Out of the streets we say, Care for your bodies, your spirits, and minds. And before we can finish, a little boy speaks up with a grin, and he says, because you are worth it, because you are God's beloved? And that phrase, it bumps into the depths of my soul. How do I begin to know? Full of insecurities and fears and doubts, here we are, huddled close together. And when we look up, we notice the Spirit of God is embracing us. The kingdom is here. We humbly proclaim. And then we gently lean up against each other. Here we are, one with another. Let's pray. God, I confess that um, sometimes relationships are too hard, and I want to give up. I want to just think about you and me and forget about the people around me. I don't want to um, lean in. I want to run away. And I think all of us have that fear. Fear that it's hard, that we'll be disappointed, that we'll be rejected, that we'll lose something, Lord. And so I... I I'm just thankful to be reminded of the calling of who you have called us to be. You have called us to be your friends and friends to others, Lord. I pray for the relationships in this room. Lord, I pray for the people who aren't here today but um, that we've lost touch with. Lord, I pray that... um, we would reach out, that we would love, that um, we would build community. Lord, help us to put the priority on relationships and friendships that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.